Welcome to the Digital Journeys podcast. Uh, today, we are talking about the AI revolution and evolution in business applications. Um, AI, you know, has been around for years in back office settings like IT and finance. But now, you know, with the boom created by ChatGPT and generative AI, we're starting to see applications sprouting up for new front office settings, you know, particularly innovation and R&D groups looking to understand more about their customers. So today we want to give you a full sense of the full journey. Where has AI been? Where is it going? And what are the exciting applications you should be thinking about for your own business? My name is uh, Hans Mueller-Schrader, and I'm joined by my Cherry Becker colleagues, uh, Hisham Nabi and Rashad Balbalay. So why don't we start with some introductions? Um, Hisham, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your background and experience with AI? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I work in Cherry Beckert's digital consulting business, uh, really focused on helping clients with automation uh, and AI. And really, my experience has been helping clients really automate their processes, kind of the first step leading into AI and, and developing a data strategy that helps bring their data together to then um, action it so that they can uh, develop AI processes. All right, excellent. Uh, Rashad, why don't you share a bit about yourself too? Yeah, of course. Thank you, Hans. So I'm a strategy consultant you know, with over 15 years of experience working with clients, really in the areas of growth and innovation. Uh, the one thing I'll call out is unlike many of my colleagues, I left consulting for some time and worked in industry. So I really had the opportunity to lead strategy end to end from design and program development all the way to in-market execution and, and just actually getting in front of customers. And so that segued really nicely into what I've been doing over the past few years, more specifically, which has really been working with clients to figure out, you know, one, how to just how to make sense of AI. AI is kind of everywhere. There are companies adding AI to the ends of their names every day. How do I make sense of that space, that world, and the capabilities that come with it? And then two, you know, how can we use AI to really rethink the way things have always been done, you know, from market insights to product formulation? And so that's really been my focus more recently. Excited to, to be here today with you and Hisham. Thanks for having me. All right, excellent. So, Hisham, why don't we uh, start with some of your experience first, um, you know, I really want to start this off thinking back maybe five or 10, maybe even 15 years ago. You know, what did AI look like then in businesses? And, you know, what were some of those exciting early use cases uh, that existed um, with back office type settings? Yeah, I think it's a great question. So if I think back to to like 15 years ago, I think AI was was very much limited. And I think you'll see a trend where big data and data analysis was also limited and they kind of go hand in hand almost. So if you think if you think back 15 years ago, AI and business relatively limited, few applications compared to today, business process automation relied very heavily on rule-based systems. Um, and so machine algorithms were present, but, but very limited. Uh, and then you look at, you know, 10 years ago, uh, data analytics starts to come up a little bit more, um, and you see speech recognition technology start to come out, right? So if you think back to when Siri came out or when Google Assistant came out, and that was almost the first commercial AI push, and, and you see AI start to 
primarily become employed in the regulated industries like finance and healthcare and, and, and defense. And then I think as you look at um, 2018, about five years ago, AI really starts to rise, right? And, and I, I like to look at the chatbots and the virtual assistants as really becoming the prevalent first big use cases of of AI, right? So if you think about when you contact, when you can go to a chatbot and, and book reservations or cancel reservations or or buy products, uh, and similarly, data analytics and, and machine learning techniques start to really gain insight. Um, and really, AI has has really taken off dramatically over the last several years. So, you know, when we were preparing for this conversation, I was reading about a study that MIT did over the last several years, and and they looked at 40 or so organizations and how they were looking at AI. Were they actually adopting AI? And in their analysis, they real they, they looked at the fact that in 2016, there was only about 4% of the of the 40 companies they looked at that even were were operating anything related to AI. And today that number is is almost 25%. Um, and then they looked at the folks that were not considering AI. And in 2016, that was 26%. And today that's zero. So, so almost everyone is considering AI. So if you think about it, it's 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 been a journey, but it's been a quick journey, um, and we are where we are today. Yeah, that's really fascinating. So you you already kind of got into you know what my next question was was that rapid change, kind of the major movement that you've seen in everything. You know, if you think about your own work that you do with clients. Um, you know, what What have you seen in terms of, you know, doing business process automation or data analytics or anything like that? You know, can you think of an example where some of those new tools that have started to sprout up have really helped to, I guess, uh, turbocharge, you know, the results you were able to achieve with the client? Yeah, certainly. So I can think of several and I'll, I'll talk about two. One is just the immediate work that that I've seen and then one is a one is a case study that I that I read about um, in the ecosystem. So we've worked with clients where we've actually taken their processes that were very manual and we've automated automated them and developed bots for them, right? And that's kind of the first maturity level of AI is developing these process automation bots. So one of the one of the case studies that we looked at and, and did was there was a, a health company that did invoicing and there was a there was a human that was involved in basically manually pulling together multiple files to invoice and generate invoices uh, to pay out to pay things out. And we removed that human so that the human could focus more on uh, value added tasks, high value tasks. And we put a bot in place and the bot basically replicates what the human is doing but is able to do it in the background, to do it through error proofing. Uh, so that's that's one area in the back office where we see a lot of kind of the first step into AI, which is really process automation and bot bringing in bots into the process. Um, and then if I take the macro view, there's a very interesting example um, that I'd heard about recently, which was really around a spice company, a global spice company. And if you think about the marinades and spices that some of us like to use in cooking, the process to develop those seasonings and spices and sauces, it's a very, it's a very cumbersome process. Um, and, you know, they have actual flavor scientists that work through that. Um, and so what I was, what I heard about was the spice company, they had um, flavor scientists who basically apprenticed for several years. And what they would do is they would look at one 
some of the flavors that they had looked at before, flavor profiles they looked at before, they would narrow. They would have to narrow down into a flavor profile that they hadn't used before, and then they would have to iterate on it and test on it. So if you can imagine this process, you know it's not very efficient, right? And it takes a tremendous amount of time, um, and it takes a tremendous amount of time to push things into market, right? And what this company did was they. The first thing is they did is they took they took they aggregated all their data. So they took something like 400,000 different flavor formulas, right, over over a period of a decade. And they developed attributes for it and they basically put it together into, into a data store. Um, and then they, they developed a deep learning system that went through and narrowed down what flavor profiles to go after and recommended those to its food scientists. And so what essentially happened was that they, they were able to um, give their food scientists a system where they could achieve performance similar to what a food scientist would do with 20 years of experience. And they significantly reduce the number of trials, right? So if you think about AI and you think about its applicability, you don't really think about seasoning and sauces as an area where it applies, but it's certainly applied in this, in this use case. So that's just two use cases. One that I found very interesting. The other one is, is an example we ourselves implemented in a client. That is really fascinating. And I, th I think it really starts to highlight to Hisham, you know, th this evolution that we were talking about where, you know, some of the early use cases really focused on just automating kind of typical human processes and tasks and reducing the error rate, that kind of thing. And now starting to do almost, you know, work that maybe people thought never would have been automated, right? So so some of that creative work on on choosing new flavors and spices, that kind of thing. And I, I can think about a couple examples from my own client work where it was very similar, right? Where they had a very specific scope of, of what they wanted to accomplish, and then they could apply some sort of AI learning tool to accomplish it for them. The, the one I'm thinking of was a pump company, and they really took, you know, basically this uh, this condition monitoring software, and instead of, you know, having to manually look and determine, you know, based on whatever the vibration frequency was, you know, what part of the pump might have broken, you know, instead, you know, let's take all of these harmonics and, and vibrations from, you know, thousands and thousands of past examples and see, you know, based on those trends, what is the, the criticality of this issue? You know, what part of the pump might be breaking? And you can start to get into things as crazy as, you know, sending the part in advance before you even know it's broken. I'm sending you a new impeller, that kind of thing. Um, so, so all sorts of, I feel like, cases like that. Um, where you start to see it actually being used to to change how we develop products or how products themselves run. Um, but the, the re really, really helpful, Isham. I, I think, uh, Rashad, I'd love for you to extrapolate on this idea of some of the new use cases as well and how, you know, you're kind of seeing it introduced into areas of businesses that it hasn't been before. You know, may maybe even extrapolate on this point that we were just talking about really around, you know, product and development, that kind of thing. And you know, re really um, maybe also describing what's allowed this to happen. You know, how how have we gotten to this point? Yeah, absolutely. That That is a great question. Um, you know, the reality, I think, is, you know, AI is not new to some of the areas that, you know, both you and Hisham have been talking about when you talk about kind of the chatbots or you, know, you talked about a bit about bringing together thousands and thousands of you know, past experiments or examples to kind of get to a new new solution. You know, the 
what's really kind of played a, a meaningful role in in this outside of you know sheer advances in, in computing power has has been something really simple it all comes down to data you know to learn ai needs data and it needs a lot of it and really you know growth in the cloud and just how widespread use of the cloud has become especially over the past decade has created an entirely new world where everything is much much more interconnected and this has allowed us to bridge traditionally isolated sources of data like social media and building permits or point of sales and patents or academic research and videos on TikTok, just to name a few and it's been the ability to take in and look across all of these different types of data that has been the real unlock for ai and so what is this meant what is this meant right from a front office perspective especially i bet most people have already been interacting with ai in some way Right. Think about text to voice on your cell phone to personalize recommendations on Amazon Prime to Siri or Alexa. Uh, Hisham mentioned kind of customer service chatbots. These are all kind of AI enabled. But what where the leaps have really come in, given kind of the ability to bridge across so much more data has been in areas such as quickly uncovering new consumer insights and then even more rapidly translating those insights into new product ideas or using market insights to identify higher probability sales leads, or accelerating product discovery by rapidly designing and testing new product formulations. You know, what, what does this mean kind of, you know, in example, um, you know, a client of mine in financial services, you know, we were using AI to, un, you know, identify how to, how to get higher probability, probability sales leads. And what really allowed us to do this was by bridging data from you know building uh, building permits and patents to um, you know real estate sales we could preemptively identify you know where and which clients and where they were uh, located and when they were most likely to need commercial lending before before they even knew or, or, or before they were even prepared to kind of go down that process and so you could then have a preemptive sales conversation with them and increase the likelihood of of landing that landing that transaction or from the perspective of consumer insights being able to you know take in millions literally millions of menus and discern what trends are you know happening across them you could figure out which types of products to get into market before consumers are even thinking about them and demanding them. And we've seen examples like this take place with some of the big big guys in the industry with Kellogg or Campbell's or Pepsi. These are things they are already doing actively in the, in the food space to really get a jump start and short circuit, you know, product discovery uh, and put those timelines down from, you know, six, nine, 12 months down to days and weeks. And at the heart of it has all been AI and what the real unlock has been uh, there for AI is has really just been the magnitude of data and the ability to kind of work across it very seamlessly. Very fascinating, very helpful, Rashad. Thank you for kind of extrapolating on that. And you kind of beat me to the punch when you started talking about all of these really exciting applications and examples, you know, from menu design through to, you know, knowing when to reach out to customers, that kind of thing. So, so, so maybe, maybe I'll just hop right into my, my final set of questions. Um, and, and Rashad, maybe I'll start with you this time, uh, since Asham got to speak first last time. 
you know, what's what's next? Do you think? You know, where do you see AI applications going moving forward? Do you see, you know, significant change? Is most of it already here? Um, you know, why don't you just uh, opine on that a bit for me? Yeah, of course. I appreciate uh, getting to go first this time. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of the spotlight has been in areas where AI can help streamline or automate, you know, customer service, sales, pricing, promotion. These are kind of the, the things that have become table stakes now. But I, I alluded to it in my last response. But the application that I've actually been most excited about is within research and development. And not just within, you know, with developing things like new formulations or digital prototypes to test and market, though those things are definitely pretty compelling in their own right. But if you go to the front end of research and development, there's a couple of things in play here. You know, first, how do I think about uncovering truly novel consumer and market insights? And then second, how do I build a capability around predictive trend detection? So companies spend a lot of money, time and resources trying to figure out the next big thing, trying to understand what consumers will want and what they will spend their hard-earned money on. Not today, <clears throat> but tomorrow. You know, the typical R&D discovery process takes a long time and it's always been fairly analog. Think focus groups, ethnography, like true in-market person-to-person kind of discovery, all trying to discern consumer behaviors and beliefs. And this has taken even best-in-class companies months, if not years, to even get to the idea. And even then, figuring out when the market, like the mass market, will be ready for the idea is the real holy grail. You know, so many amazing companies have come and gone or stagnated in the market, all because they never reached the proverbial tipping point with adoption. There are two simple examples you can think about. You know, look at sparkling water. This market has exploded over the past 10 years. But I'd bet most people don't know that LaCroix, arguably the first mainstream sparkling water brand you know, in the country, was first launched in the 1980s. And it took nearly 30 years before the market was ready. And what happened? You know, Companies like Pepsi were able to time the market better and come in with a better Me Too product at the right time. And they've just eaten LaCroix's lunch. Or look at plant-based today. It's everywhere, or I like to say it's everywhere and nowhere at the same time. The number of companies with plant-based products has grown exponentially, but it's clear that the market just isn't ready yet. And if you dig into kind of what might be happening here, you know, part a big part of the reason is likely that there isn't a consistent definition for what does it mean to be plant-based. But until we have that, the market just won't be ready. And so many of the companies in this space have just come and gone. Some may stick it out, but the real winners will be the ones who figure out exactly when to come in and not and to come in not just with the better product, but at the right time. And you can look at example after example, Skype for Business, Mac, Segway, so on. The tipping point is the real holy grail here. And that's where I think the true power of AI will get really interesting, really taking insights and trend identification and layering on prediction. And that's the application that, that I'd be most excited about moving forward. Yeah, that's really fascinating, Rashad. And I, I think about myself, um, you know, how would I predict the tipping point or something like that, right? And that, that that's the sort of use case where it's it's not just replacing, you know, or, or, or augmenting what people can do. It's really going beyond, 
you know, maybe what uh, we as business people are capable of today, just given that idea of, you know, big data and all of the different sources it's taking into account, that kind of thing. So um, obviously, I know we talk a ton offline, Rashad, about AI never fully replacing, you know, the role of business people and things like that, but certainly augmenting and, you know, I guess, uh, catalyzing to a, to a really great extent with examples like that. So um, really appreciate you sharing that. Um, Sean, any, anything you want to add as far as, you know, what's exciting moving forward? Um, you know, what, what you see coming next from some of the applications you've been more focused on? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I like that Rashad talked about what's possible. And I wouldn't be uh, a technologist if I and a consultant if I didn't talk about what what needs to be done to make that happen. And I, I see that the thread the thread that's essential to make all of AI happen and this happen is, is really data. And we've been talking about data. So as I look at a lot of clients, they their focus right now is not just on getting on that AI journey because they're hearing folks talk about it, they're seeing the benefits of it, but it's really getting on the data strategy journey, right? Getting on that data journey. So pulling together their data, coming up with a big data strategy, developing a data governance model, uh, understanding what kind of data they have, cleaning their data, aggregating their data, because it really all starts with data, right? So. Uh, and I think that's a critical, critical element of all of this. Uh, I think, as you see this year, clients are, are very excited about AI. They're going to embark on this AI journey, but I think you're going to see a, a major pivot towards data and data governance and data management and uh, and how to really collect data and understand data, because that's kind of the first, it's kind of table stakes if you're going to do AI. Makes a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's a really critical element, certainly. I, I know the other one, Rashad, that, that, that we've talked about a bit before is the idea of, you know, how do we want to use AI? What's kind of the change management required? Um, do you see those as also sort of kind of the critical starting points or how would you think about companies getting started uh, in this space? Yeah, it's a good question because to Hisham's point, you know, there's a lot of noise out there and it can create a daunting atmosphere for companies for sure. Um, and if if nothing else, just look at the number of companies, startups, big companies alike that are just slapping AI on the end of their name or on their website and suddenly they're an AI company. Um, that said, I think there's a few natural places to start. You know, first, I'd say you know, with defining the goals and use cases for AI, you know, what are the business problems or opportunities specific to your company or your market or your products where AI could have a significant impact? You know, second, assessing and auditing how ready you are from a data perspective. I mentioned this, Hisham mentioned this. AI relies on on data and not just any data. It relies on a lot of data and a lot of quality data to train the models and make accurate predictions. So without without the data and without the right data, you can have the fanciest algorithms you want, but they won't be effective. So understanding where you are from a data perspective is paramount. And then third, and I'd say this is probably where you know many people get tripped up is by you know with wanting to bring in a mentality of starting small and prototyping. You know, begin with small scale projects or proof of concept initiatives to test the feasibility and impact before investing the significant time and resources to really 
push something out at scale, build an aptitude and a willingness to to be a little scrappy and and try something small just to get a sense of if it's the right solution or not, and put yourself in the position of being able to adapt and kind of learn quickly. And then lastly, I'd say, you know, work with partners. There are so many amazing solutions out there and finding the right partner or partners can help bring advanced tools or frameworks or expertise to the table immediately and help you get started much more rapidly. It would also give you the insights you need to start thinking about the longer term in-house solution and if that's even something that would make sense in the long term. I think those those are some of the some of the initial steps I'd start to think about just to put some structure around kind of how do I even approach the world of AI in a way that makes sense for me and my company and kind of where I am in my in my story and my stage of growth today. All right. Well, this has been really, really informative. I, I appreciate you both making the time. Thank you, Hisham. Thank you, Rashad. Um, as always, you know, feel free to like and share this podcast uh, with anyone that you think might find interest in it. And, and please stay tuned for uh, more from Digital Journeys.